Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Uh, I'm excited. Today is the last day of our message series called Still Standing. Uh, last month, we had a series called Standing Ovation, which was all about worship and how we give God our best. Just like at a, at a, a Broadway or at a rock concert or at a, a sporting event, we stand up and we cheer, right? That's the concept of, of how God uh, wants us to worship him with everything we have. And so we began a series this month called Still Standing, and we asked the question, is there more to worship than just singing songs? And we found out that it's really about what we do with our lives that is also worship, and we talked about serving. And so we've been exploring the words of Jesus this month and talking about what does Jesus say about worship with our hands and with our lives particularly. And so in our first week, we asked that question, is there more to worship than just singing songs? And the big idea of that message was that the things that we do are just as much important or just as much a part of worship as the things that we say. And we discovered that Jesus equates following him with servanthood. It's not just about saying, I follow you, Jesus. It's actually living it out. And that we truly worship God when we give him more than our words, but we actually become servants and serve the people that he cares about. Last week, we asked another question. Well, why is it important for us to be servants? Like, why does it matter? And the big idea there was that investing what we have been given into others actually honors God's investment in us. So he has invested gifts and and strengths and skills and abilities, and he's called us to serve his church, to serve his people, to serve his world. And by doing so, we honor the investment that God has made into us. And so that's why it's important to be servants. Well, today we're going to finish our series and we're going to ask this question. What is the heart behind our actions? What is the heart behind our actions? So we know that our actions are a part of worship and we know that we're called to serve others with our own gifts, but what is the heartbeat behind our actions? You know, my son, Lincoln, is a very analytical child. He's a lot like me. Um, He has to know the reason why things work. He has to understand why things happen the way that they do. The question he asks me the most is why. Lincoln, can you please get ready for school? Why? Lincoln, it's important for you to do your homework today and do it it on time. Why? Lincoln, it's important for you to be in bed on time. Why? Lincoln, we're going to go here. We're going to do this. Why, why, why? Right? Most parents understand that a lot of children ask the question why all the time. Uh, Ever since he was young, he asked that question. For him, he needs to understand why something matters. He needs to understand uh, why we're doing something. He needs to understand how it works. I mean, he's always taking things apart, figuring out how they operate, putting them back together, and he can understand. And here's the thing. Once he understands the reason or the why behind something, he actually has the ability then to put all his effort behind it. You'll see him back something. He'll get, he'll get involved and he'll put effort into it once he understands the reason of why it matters. And I think that we can all appreciate that. I think we, every one of us understands that once we get why something is important, it's easier for us to participate in it. Here's some examples that I thought of. For example, at work, we are much more productive on our jobs when we understand how our job fits into the whole organization. It's difficult for people when they feel like their job doesn't matter. If any of you have ever worked at a job that you felt was meaningless or menial or it, it was just, you didn't feel like you were doing anything, but there are times when, when you understand how the small things that you're doing actually matter to the whole organization, then you're much more willing or you understand you're willing to put the effort into it. The same thing, excuse me, It's true in our relationships. 
when I understand or when we understand that the things that I say and that I do, how they affect the people that I care about, I'm going to put more effort into how I talk to them or how I work with them. If I, if I know that the words that I say mean something, whether good or bad, because I understand how it works, now I'm going to be more mindful of the things that I say in my relationships are more productive and important, right? That makes sense. And even particularly, this is helpful when we're asked to do something that we don't enjoy. So when we're asked to do a task that we don't like or that we don't want to do, if we understand why it's important, we're much more willing to be a part of it. Does that make sense to everybody? Right. So, so when we ask the question, what is the heart behind our actions, behind serving, what we're really asking is, why did Jesus tell us to serve? And what is the reason or the heartbeat behind serving and what does it exist for? Now, see, I believe that when we begin to understand the reason and the heartbeat behind serving, that something is going to unlock inside of us and we will discover a perspective of Jesus that's going to challenge us to give everything we have to him and inspire us to worship him even more. And what I want to do is I want to read one last passage from the book of Matthew today that is about Jesus. It's literally Jesus, but this time we actually see him not necessarily just teaching. We see him respond to the question when his disciples ask the question, why? So when we ask it, we want to know the reason. The disciples ask the question, why? And then Jesus, we see from him why it's so important. Would you guys open your Bibles with me to, to the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew? It is the first book of the New Testament in the Bible. So the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, this is the first one. And we're going to be reading in chapter 26 and beginning in verse 6. So Matthew 26, verse 6, it'll also be on the screen for you if you don't have your Bibles with you. And I would encourage everyone to download the Version Bible app because it takes the Bible with you on the go. It's an incredible resource. So let's read it and uh, look at it from the perspective of servanthood and the heart behind it. Matthew 26, verse 6 says this, meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. And while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume, and she poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. Oh, my goodness. All right. Just spilled some water. It's okay. All right, we're good. Disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money could have been given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. And I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Now, if it's me, the first question that I'm asking out of this is why the heck did someone pour perfume on Jesus's head? Like that's the first question that I'm asking. And in fact, the disciples asked the same question in an angry statement. They said, why? Right? He didn't literally say why, but it was said that the disciples were indignant and they said this money could have been used for something else. So what they were saying was, why did you do that? They were frustrated. So they asked that question. Now, from our perspective, it certainly seems strange. I wouldn't want anything poured on my head. I mean, I had chocolate pudding poured on my head as a fundraiser for my missions trip, and that wasn't very fun for me. Most of us don't want things poured on us. If we're at the restaurant and someone spills something, I just spilled water. Wouldn't want that on me either, right? So that's a, that's a perplexing part of this passage. But I think it's important for us to understand the culture of the time to be able to unlock what the symbolism is for this moment. You see, in Jewish culture, particularly in the Old Testament or 
uh, during this time we see in the Bible, the concept of anointing with oil was something that was done as a ceremony, like a ritual for, for any time to symbolize a blessing, to symbolize an honor, particularly when someone was chosen for something. So we talked about David and Goliath a few weeks ago, right? And we talked about how prior to that passage, David was chosen as king. And so there was that whole story of where David's seven brothers were all lined up and Samuel the prophet said, I'm here to find the next king and I'll wait for the Holy Spirit to tell me which one it is. And he goes down the line to each one and none of them are the king. And then the Holy Spirit tells Samuel, there's another. And so he asks for the son and he says, yeah, my son David, he's out in the field. He certainly can't be the one. Bring him in, Samuel says. So David comes in from the field and Samuel says, this is the new king. And what do they do? They pour oil on his head to anoint him to being the one who is now going to be king. It's an honor. It's a blessing. And the closest thing that we have in our kind of modern era is like in graduation ceremonies where they put a mantle or like a stole over your shoulders. It's sort of, it's, that's the same concept. You're, you're putting something over someone, symbolizing something, okay? So that's what's happening in this space right here, where she was anointing Jesus. Now, this woman was giving Jesus something extremely valuable to her. We'll talk more about that later. And symbolically, she was saying thank you to him. And at the same time, she was showing that Jesus was chosen as the king, as the Messiah, as the Savior, and also symbolically preparing his body for burial, this is what scripture tells us. Now, from the disciples' perspective, they miss the point as usual, right? That's what we see from the disciples. They're almost always missing the point. Uh, they made this, this passage about the thing, about the jar, about the perfume, about the money, right? They made it about the thing instead of the heart behind it. That's, we do that a lot. The disciples do that all the time until the book of Acts. And, uh, but from Jesus' perspective, so there's mine, which is like, why the heck are we pouring anything on anyone's head? The disciples at least understood the concept but missed the point. But Jesus says, Jesus says, I can tell you what it is. We ask this question. We want to know, what's the heartbeat? Why do we serve? What's the point? And Jesus answers this question. And this is our big idea of the day. If you're taking notes, write this down. Here's the answer to our question. The heart of a servant beats for the one. The heart of the servant beats for the one. You see, Jesus defended the woman's seemingly ridiculous action and said that what she did hit the nail on the head. It's not about serving the thousands because it could have gone to the money, could have gone to the poor. It wasn't about the thousands. It was about the one. It's about the one right in front of you right now. It, it wasn't about all the poor people that the money could have gone to. It was about the relationship that was forged because Jesus saw the one person. The concept of serving exists to reach the one. So when we ask this question, why is it so important? Why does Jesus talk about it all the time? Why is it important? What's the heartbeat behind our actions? Why does it exist? The answer is the heart of a servant beats for the one. Well, what does it look like to have a heart for the one? How does that begin? What does it even look like? Well, in this passage, I think there are a few principles behind Jesus' heart for the one that I want to I wanna read real quickly, I think, that are going to help us understand this today. And the first thing is this. The heart for the one remembers that it was once the one. Okay? The heart for the one remembers that it was once the one. Now, where does this come from? Check out verse 6. Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. The heart for the one comes from remembering that it was once the one. Jesus was literally sitting in the house of a man who he had healed. 
That man had leprosy. Jesus met him on the road and healed him, and a relationship was forged. And now that man is sitting at the feet of Jesus, having a relationship with him, because Jesus stopped his busy travels, his busy program, and whatever he was doing, and stopped and healed this man. And then we see this woman who has this incredible reaction where she takes something that's very expensive and she pours it out over Jesus as an offering. Now, we don't know exactly who this woman is. Some people, uh, some historians render her as Mary Magdalene. Some try to link her to the woman who was caught in adultery, right? So, so the implication here, we don't know if that's true. There's some debate over that. But, but there is the implication here is that both of them, Lazarus, I'm sorry, Simon, the man who, was, who, had, who had previously had leprosy, and this woman had been, had been inspired by Jesus for something, Something powerful enough that caused her to break open this jar that was so valuable to her that she poured it out as an offering and the disciples thought, my gosh, what a waste. It was that important. Whatever had happened to this woman and to this man changed their life so much that they wanted to give everything to Jesus. Why? Because they remembered that they were once the one, that they had been impacted and challenged and changed by meeting Jesus. The gratitude that they had became love for Jesus and then moved them to serve. Let me say that again. The gratitude that they had became a love for Jesus. And that love moved them to serve him and then to serve other people. And each one of us, everyone in the room right here has been identified as the one by Jesus. I remember when I was in high school, um, I was connected with an organization called Young Life. Anybody ever heard of Young Life? Incredible organization. Before I met them, I was an outcast at school. I, I was one of the people that people didn't want to talk to. I was made fun of all the time. And so I found a group of friends who dressed like all in black. I was wearing trench coats and I made myself look as menacing as I possibly could. I had chains everywhere and sunglasses in class because I thought it was, I don't know, whatever I thought it was. But I remember there, was, there were these group of students who were representatives of Young Life and they would, they would constantly ask me to come to their midweek program called Club that they had. And I remember saying no all the time. I don't want to go. I don't know any of you guys. I'm, I don't want to deal with any of this stuff. And finally, I just, they broke, it broke me down and I, I decided to go. And I remember showing up uh, one evening, I think it was a Wednesday night, and being outside of this person's house that had invited me, and I'm nervous, but I didn't want to show it, so I'm sitting outside in all my normal black and everything, you know, smoking a cigarette, just trying to look completely uh, like you don't want to know me, okay? And finally, I walk inside, and what I was expecting was the usual, but I didn't receive that. What I got instead was welcome. I got love. I got, hey, we're so glad you're here. Like, they were so kind. They were so friendly. And it was clearly, like at the time I didn't really know it, but it was clearly Jesus singling me out. It was, it was Jesus saying, you are the one, Jared, and I'm coming for you. I would, rather, I would rather search for you. I'm never leaving you alone. I am sending people who will find you. And I remember that day, I tell this story any chance I get because that day I was the one. And I remember being the one. And now it makes me love Jesus with everything I have because he saved me. Because I am no longer broken. I'm no longer a slave like we talked about. I have such life and hope and, and peace in my heart all because of Jesus. Because someone found the love of Jesus and found me the one. And if you can remember what it was like to be the one, what it was like to but you were rescued from. If you can remember the life you used to have before you found Jesus, that's the beginning of having the heart for the one who needs the same thing. 
Do you understand that? Like that's how it works. And that's what happened with Simon. And that's what happened with this woman is that they remembered something powerful with Jesus and it moved them to give him everything. That is the heart for the one. By the way, that alabaster jar of perfume, scripture tells us was worth a year's wages. Can you imagine for a second, I don't know what you guys make. Some of you maybe make 15, 20, 25, 30, 45, 60, maybe in higher than that $1,000 a year, right? Could you imagine taking that thing, the thing that was worth an entire year's worth of work and saying, here, you're worth this. I mean, that's, that's being moved, right? That's being moved with such gratitude and love. I want you to know it. It's just the equivalent of giving everything. I love it. The heart for the one remembers that it was once the one. But the other thing that we see in Scripture here, the heart for the one serves many but searches for the one. Serves many but searches for the one. So verse 11 says, you will always have the poor among you. Jesus wasn't neglecting the fact that, that there was a need out there, that there is many. There, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me, he says. So Jesus, right, we see plenty of passages where he fed the 5,000, right? But then in other passages, he says that he would search for the one lost sheep. Jesus knew that the money could go to feed the poor, but instead he focused on the relationships that were right in front of him, the ones that he forged when he touched them, when he made a relationship and a connection with them. Jesus came so that the entire world would be saved, but I know for a fact from Scripture teaching that he would have died just for you. If you were the only one, I know he would have done the same thing. For the one. You know, why? Because he knows that the masses come for the show. Jesus knew in this moment that the masses come for the party, they come for the magic show. But that life change happens in relationships. How do we know this? Well, because Jesus had crowds around him everywhere. The Bible talks about all the time that everyone from the city would come and he would heal them. And people would say, Jesus, show us your miracles. And he would do it. But the moment that he said, follow me, deny yourself, Take up your cross. The Bible actually says that many people left him. What they wanted was the show. They want the miracles. And Jesus knew that the poor that would always be out there just wanted something. They wanted money. They wanted food. They want something, but they don't really want to be changed. So Jesus is saying, I came to serve many, but I'm looking for the one who really needs it. And so that's the principle here for us. The relationship that Jesus had with Simon was forged when he stopped and he healed him. Jesus saw him, and Simon followed Jesus. And I was thinking this week about this concept, and I remember in the movie The Wedding Singer. Have any of you guys ever seen The Wedding Singer? Okay, a few of you have. It's a great movie. We have a picture here. I remember this scene. This is from the movie when, uh, when, from a bar mitzvah. And Julia Gulia is Drew Barrymore's character. She had a chance to be able to, to dance with any boy that she wanted to meet, any boy that she wanted to dance with. And so the movie shows, and you can see it behind, all these boys lined up, and there's all these boys dressed up in their suits. They're looking sharp. They're trying to be really, like, hot, you know, so that they can get her attention because this older woman is going to dance with them, and they're really excited about it. And she walks down the line, and every one of them are kind of peacocking for her, and she finds this one boy that she's dancing with in this image here. This boy is a little overweight. He's kind of nerdy looking. He doesn't appear really to be anything compared to the other guys, but Julia looks at him and sees the one who needed it, the one who was outcast, the one who was sad, the one who really was maybe, I don't even know if it was his party or whatever, but he was invited, and for whatever reason, he's just there. He didn't seem like he was having much fun, and when she picks him, his eyes light up. 
right? His eyes light up, and that's what happens. That's what happens when we find the one, when we search for the one person among the masses who desperately needs the love of Jesus. There are people in this room. There are people at the big hunt on the the 15th. There are people in our jobs. There are people in our own families. There are people everywhere we go who Jesus is saying, if you would just open your eyes, I will show you the one who needs you today. There are people out there who need the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. And when we take time to know those people that we are serving, lives can be changed. It's, I mean, it's important. Jesus did feed the 5,000, so there's no problem there. We serve the many. The heart for the one serves the many, but searches for the one. The heart of a servant beats for the one. This is the reason why we serve. So we asked that question in the beginning. Why do we serve? What is the heartbeat behind our actions? The answer is this. It is behind what we do as a church and as people. The heart of a servant beats for the one. Everything that we do at Encounter Church is geared around experiencing God in real life. And part of real life is there are broken, hurting, lonely, lost people. Some of you maybe feel that way right now, but God can meet you where you are now, right now. And he uses me, he uses you, he uses your neighbor, the one sitting right next to you. God might be speaking to someone right now to encourage someone. In fact, just this morning, I love this, and I want to call him out. A friend of mine came up to me and patted me on the shoulder and said, hey, I appreciate you. I don't know where that came from, and maybe I needed it. Maybe I'll need it later today. I don't know. But I feel like, and he said, I just really sensed, I just sensed like I needed to tell you that. That's someone who is being listening for the one from what God is saying. And then he spoke words of encouragement that he had no idea had an impact. And now it's in a message today, bolstering a point of a message. That's what happens when we're obedient, when we listen, when the heart beats for the one. Our goal here is to serve and to find the one and help them encounter God in real life. We serve on our dream team at church. Why? To be ready for the one when they walk in the door. We serve in our city and our big hunt and all these events that we do. Why? So that around the world we can find the one. The heart for the one remembers it was once the one. And the heart for the one serves many, but searches for the one. So what are, we, what are some next steps that we can take practically? Like what can we do to actually begin to live this out? The heart for the one. How can we, how can we have that? We have our three E's that we try to live by. It's our mission. We want to experience God. We want to explore faith. And we want to express publicly. So how can we experience this concept? Experiencing the heart for the one. I would encourage you to try this. Remember and meditate on your own rescue. Remember the day when Jesus found you, when he left the sheep pen and found the one lost sheep. You and I were all at one time the one lost sheep. So remember that day. Allow yourself to remember. And for some of you, like, I don't really want to remember. But here's the thing. When you remember at least some, I'm not saying you have to relive it. I'm not saying you have to go back to that. But when you allow yourself to remember what it was like, you will then be in the place where Simon was where this woman was, where you will remember and something will stir up inside of you and you will begin to feel the heart of, I have to help other people experience the same. Remember and meditate on your own rescue. How can we explore this? Some of you really like to dig into scripture and, and see that I'm not just making this stuff up and that there are other, other passages for this. Luke chapter 15 is wonderful. Three separate parables that Jesus tells. The first is about a lost sheep. I've been mentioning that a lot today. Then the second one is about a lost coin. And the last one is the famous story of the prodigal son, the lost son. 
an entire chapter of scripture dedicated to the heartbeat for the one. And how can we express the heart for the one? Intentionally search for and serve the one. That means at church, it could be someone sitting next to you. You could see someone, they just look down today. Maybe there is someone who you've seen coming to church and now they haven't, and then you call them up or send them a Facebook message or a text. Hey, missed you, is everything okay today? For some of us, it might be visitors, it's new people. I don't wanna ever see a person, whether they're a guest or a member of our family, ever sitting alone, ever. I want us to search for the one. Jesus is saying, search for them and serve them. Can I get you a cup of coffee? Hey, you haven't had that yet? Oh my gosh, you're having trouble with your kids today? Let me, let me take your kids. You know, you go, go to the bathroom, I'll take care. Whatever it could be, let's look and search for the one and then serve them. Intentionally doing that. We do that in our community. We do that everywhere we go. And then we will be Jesus' hands and his feet. And then I promise you the opportunities will come for us to share the good news, to be able to tell them and to live it. They're going to, what is up with you? Why are you always giving of yourself? What, take some time for yourself. I mean, conversations will come one day. Let me just finish by repeating our big idea. The heart of a servant beats for the one. I think that's really the point of this entire series still standing is worship. We worship Jesus. We give him the greatest worship when we look for the ones that he cares about. When we serve other people. It's more than just, Jesus, I love you. I'm no longer a slave. Like those are good things because they're important and we connect with them. We talked about that. But what we do in serving with the right heart matters just as much as the things that we say. Would you stand with me? We're going to close out our service here. We're going to just respond, take a few moments just to respond. We're going to sing a chorus and bridge of a song as a response to worship. And while we're doing that, the, the uh, guest services team is going to be coming by and handing you uh, baskets that have communion elements. Today's the first Sunday of the month. Right after our song, we're going to celebrate communion together. And then we'll come back up to worship with giving, and then we'll close our message, our, our service out today. I just want to leave you with this. As we sing this song, as we worship God, let us just remember, let's give God that heart of gratitude, just like they sat at his feet. Right now, maybe all of you, all that you can give is your words and your, your heart to him, and that's fine. But let's just sing this song from that heart of, Jesus, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for rescuing me. I want to have heart for the one. Let's sing together. All that I have, I give. All of my life, I live. All for the one, all for the one who saved me. I will take up my cross. I will pour out my Take up my 
cross I will pour out my love Oh, for the one Oh, for the one who saved me There's just something about your name There's just something about your name Jesus, Savior, all the praise, all for you, God. There's just something about your name. There's just something about your name. Jesus, Savior, all the praise, all for you. for you, Jesus, all for you, God. It's all for the one who saved me. Yeah. All that I have, I need. All of my life, I live. All for the the one who saved me I'll take up my cross I will take up my cross I will pour out my love all for the one all for the one who saved me thank you Jesus Jesus, we do give you our lives and our heart. We're thankful that you have given us everything. We remember what it was like before we met you. I'm, I'm just personally, eternally grateful. I will give you everything that I can, everything that I have. Thank you for saving me. If that's your own heart, just, just tell them that in your own words. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. I can't even come up with the right words to tell you truly how I feel. You know, the uh, Bible says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was having a very special meal with his closest of friends, his disciples, the ones who would go on to become the apostles. And he knew that he was about to go to the cross where all of this that we talked about today really began. Then he took a piece of bread and he broke it apart and he passed it along to each of them and he said, take this and eat it for when you do, you're participating in my body that is broken for you. He's, he knew already that he was going to be beaten and, and whipped and nailed to a cross. And when we eat this, it's a symbol of that moment of just saying thank you, that the wrath of God was poured out on him instead of my own sin. That's a grateful moment. Remember the things. Remember the things that you have done in your life, all the things that you know that you will still do even though you will regret them. Jesus died and took the beating for that. So as we eat this, let's remember that and just tell him thank you. Let's eat together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your willingness. You know, I'm struck by 
the passage right after this where Jesus goes to the garden to pray and he weeps before God and he says, Father, is there any other way? He was a human being, you know. He knew what it was like to be hungry. He knew what it was like to be hot and be sunburned. I mean, all the things that we go through in our lives. And he asked three separate times if there was any other way than the cross. I don't know how many times I would ask. I don't know if I would ever leave that garden if it were me. But we're here today because of his willingness. And he said, but not my will, but yours, Jesus, our Father. So as we drink this, back to the dinner table, Jesus passed a cup around and he said, take this and drink for when you do, when you, when you drink it, it symbolizes my blood that is shed for you. It's a new covenant. It is, the, it is literally the signature on the contract that gives us freedom. And he said, and every time you do this, just remember me. Let's do that now and just be thankful. God, I give you glory. I give you praise. Give me a heart for the one. God, thank you that you saved me, God. Thank you that you saved so many in this room and the thousands of people who are being saved around the world. Thank you for Dylan and Samuel who are going to preach the name of Jesus in a country that needs it. God, thank you for the team who are going to Madagascar to do the same thing. I pray that you would soften hearts. God, we will serve the one in this church and in this city and around the world. We will search, we will serve many and we will search for the one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we close our service, we're going to go ahead and worship with our giving. I believe, I just believe that when we put God first in our finances, that it just pleases God's heart. And our service hosts are going to pass a basket around. And, you know, everything that we do here, right, is around encountering God in real life. And part of the way that we do that in real life is with real money. And uh, it goes towards everything that you see. It serves people. If this is your first time with us or you're not, you don't consider encountering your home, you are under no obligation or any pressure whatsoever. This is for those who say encounter is our home. We just believe that when we put God first, even in areas of our money, that he hears that, he sees that, and he loves it, and he takes care of us. So you can give uh, with, if you brought a, an offering today, right in front of your pocket, is, uh, is your seat is a pocket with an envelope. All gifts are tax deductible if you write your name and information on it. Um, but most of our church gives online at EncounterGiving.com. And uh, you can even set it up recurring. It's super easy. So many of our church do it. And we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your sacrificial giving. Um, actually, just this week, I heard several people just finally get it in their heart. And they said, I want to give. And I love it. I love what God is doing in this church. It's not about money, folks. It's just about serving the one. So. Uh, we're just going to pray and the basket's going to come around and we're going to close our service. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for what you have done. You are great. God, I just want to shout from the rooftops how good you are. I pray you'll take every gift today and every gift that comes in this week online that you would just, you would use it powerfully, God. Use it to, to fuel the Facebook posts for our egg hunt, God. Use it to, to, to buy the food and the candy and all these things, God, that you are doing. You are so good. That may many, many, many people find the love of Jesus this, this next couple weeks. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week 
but follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.